previously on The Avatar Returns. I, I did my little turn on the catwalk. Echo, I'm having a good time. I could be sleeping on a couch. What have I done? These, uh, these how are you guys doing segments are always so enthusiastic. Nothing drives up the sale of alcohol quicker than people having to listen to our voices. He's like watered down, Pyme. Oh my god, I made a horrible pun. This is just going to be us devolving the podcast into quoting our favorite Michael Sarah projects. <laughs> I, I, I never remember your successes as well as I do your failures. So. That stupid door squeaking pirate. By the way, Unceasing March into Assholery is the perfect title for your autobiography. Right now, Greg uh, Sadashni is screaming. Dial back the genocidal maniac a little bit. Hello, and welcome to The Avatar Returns. I'm Paul. I'm Eric. I'm AJ. And each week, we discuss two to four episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra. This week, we begin Avatar Book 2 with a new element, Earth, uh, and three new chapters, uh, 201 through 203. I've decided I'm going to number them that way to make it easier to keep track. Um, Do you? you, Okay, thank you. Uh, That's the Avatar State, the Cave of the Two Lovers, and Return to Amashu, uh, AJ's AJ's favorite uh, location in this world, Amashu. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric and I have uh, seen both of these series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar, which means there will be spoilers, but only up to this point that we're discussing tonight. Uh, but before we get to the show, let's try this whole getting to know you stuff that we've been so good at so far. How the hell are you guys doing? I'm just going to put it out there. I was barely conscious when I watched these episodes. I'm just going to be upfront. I'm just going to be upfront about it. Um, so I'm working off a very sleepy memory of them. I just watched them yesterday. It feels like five days ago, at least. Um, I'm pretty tired right now. <laughs> so I just want the listening audience to know I am, I, I am bringing my A game. <laughs> To this podcast, I, I also want the listening audience to know that the reason AJ was barely paying attention to Avatar is he was watching all the Star Wars movies. Yep, I was. I watched this. I watched the Star Wars movies instead of watching these episodes of Avatar because I thought they were pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I, it's, it's Two guys always, and a girl. Yeah, and a resistance and weird animals and yeah. evil empire is same, same same shit, different series. Midichlorian bending. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's always great when any podcast starts off with the hosts making excuses with, uh, you know, just saying, uh, just so you know, the show's going to suck and this is why. I mean, you guys are going to be great. I just want to, I want to put a pin in, uh, Paul's midi-chlorian bending joke because I'm going to return to that hopefully at some point in a serious way because I think that. I, I, anyways, just note that midi chlorian bending is coming back before the end of this podcast. Oh, wow, I'm intrigued. I have no idea where this could possibly be is going. Is there oh. an avatar equivalent of the Gungans? Oh, there probably is. I'd have to think about that. Yeah, it's, it's Sokka. Oh, shut Whoa. your mouth. Whoa. Damn it, son. Whoa. Right. Someone just got fired from the podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I'm, 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 I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Okay. Well, that's good. And, and I'm all right. I'm I'm a little I'm going into this holiday season a little tired, but I'm I'm in I'm in pretty good shape. I, I'm about to tra- I'm going to be traveling for what is very nearly half of December. 
So uh, I leave on the second, and like really early on the second, and I come back on the fourteenth. No, I'm coming back on the twelfth. No, I did. I pushed my. I pulled my uh, return date back a little bit, so it's not. It's only a third of December. Um, Is that I'll all? be back on the twelfth. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's what the holidays are for, for stretching yourself too thin and really, like, just surviving on pure exhaustion. I am I am the master of that right now. Right. So, I am, I, this holiday is mine. Right. Cool. Yeah, uh, you master it, man. Uh, I, too, I, too, am traveling in December, not for as long as Eric is, but I did have to extend my travels by a day. And I want you to know, whenever one of us makes travel plans... Or, or in my case, at the last second has to add a day, um, that completely <laughs> and utterly destroys the podcast recording schedule, which we have a detailed calendar. Yeah. And the oh my god, the headache that it is <laughs> to make the I don't know to switch around scheduling dates. Oh my goodness, it is so it just, is it is a delicate balance that that uh, is very easily thrown off. Just so you at home know, we're all very tired and have a difficult time getting together at once. <laughs> now let's do the show. Man, we suffer for our art, don't we? <laughs> Remember, this is free. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, hey, bef- actually, before we get to the show, I, I know that on this po- particular podcast, we don't really do the banter stuff beforehand. But because I haven't had a chance to talk to you two guys about this... I just want to say a few words before we get into it. Uh, last night, Pam and I went and saw The Good Dinosaur. Uh, yes. Which is the new Pixar uh, film. You went out to support the burgeoning Arlo market. I did. Yes, exactly. And today we bought the uh, the Arlo pop figure. What? Yeah. Which is Now you own me. Which is adorable. So much cuter than you. Uh. Um, anyways. But about uh, just just a few words, not a full review. I will say that the movie itself, like as a movie, as a story, this is far from the best thing that Pixar has ever done. Not a particularly compelling story at all. It's it's good. It's fine. Um, but I spent the entire film just with with my jaw on the floor. I, you may have heard some stuff about this. Apparently reviews have been mentioning or people have been talking about this. I was oblivious. I went into this and was completely blown away by the environmental animation. Basically all of the animation except the main characters, which look very cartoonish. I mean, they're very, they're very stylized, but everything else, the entire world that this film inhabits is as close to photorealistic as I have ever seen. It is stunningly gorgeous. If it, it, you know, story-wise, this film doesn't really deserve anything in the way of awards, but it needs to win every conceivable award for computer animation because it is unbelievable how gorgeous this film is. Wow. That's I had heard awesome. they were going for photorealism in the background, but I wasn't sure how well they had actually pulled it off. So that's... It, it is mind-blowing. In fact... I kind of need proof. <laughs> I kind of need proof that they didn't just shoot like live action and then <laughs> and then computer animate dinosaurs into it. it. It's just unreal. I I can't even do it justice. So that's impressive. Yeah. No. I I want to see it again, especially again with the Arlo connection. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Wow. I I had not heard that. I'm I'm looking forward to it. 
So do do yourself a favor and see it on a big screen. And if if we did not see it in 3D because I I wasn't expecting anything particularly amazing in 3D. I almost want to go back and see it in 3D now just to see what the, that does to that animation. But yeah, it's amazing. So and the the little short in front of it, Sanjay's super team is adorable. Is it better than Lava? I happen to like Lava, but yes, this is much better than Lava. You are wrong. I can't trust any more of your opinions ever. <laughs> okay, well we've then let's... Through, we've been through a lot, Paul. I don't know if we can survive <laughs> the fact that you just said you liked Lava. Yeah, I'm actually not okay with this either. I don't. I can't believe I've done an entire season of Avatar with this person. <laughs> it was, yeah, wow. Okay, anyways, we'll do, we'll do an entire show. All opinions were suspect. We'll do an entire show about Lava. How about that? And we, we okay, can sure, let's do it. Air our dirty lava laundry. I'm going to fire bin the shit out of that volcano. <laughs> Okay, well, let's, you know what I mean. let's get into uh, the show. So once again, um, AJ, you are the noob to the Avatar world. So yes. let's start with you and ask, um, no. how did you feel? Uh, this is our introduction to book two. We're on to a new element. What did you think of it? Um, I think the premiere is really strong. I don't th- well, I don't think any of the episodes are bad. Mm-hmm. The premiere is really strong. Um, and the other two are sort of, I mean, obviously it's early in the season, um, getting back into the swing of things, but they veer a little closer, I think, to fillers the wrong word, because I feel especially the third one where they return to Omashu. In fact, I think it's called Return to Omashu. Yeah, that is. <laughs> um, look at that. Um, has some important stuff in it, but they, to me, feel more like, um, what's the word? Not filler, but slightly like they don't they don't hit the same highs that the some of the episodes in the end stretch of book one mm-hmm. uh did but i th- i think they were all uh good episodes and esp- i think there's some really great character stuff in these episodes that continue the uh threads that were started in book one especially the stuff with uh zuko i gotta tell you guys I don't think I ever hated Zuko as much as you wanted people to think I hated Zuko, uh-huh. but I did find him annoying at the beginning of the series, a little annoying and petulant. I guess he is kind of. He is. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but I, I, he may be one of my favorite characters at this point, nice. one of the most compelling on the show. In fact, there's a really, there's a really, a couple really great moments with him in these episodes. I I don't know how you felt AJ, but I kind of felt like if you pulled out the Zuko Iroh stuff, those those two episodes would be entirely forgettable. Uh, yes, yes, I completely agree with you. I mean, there's nothing, which is not to say there's bad stuff. They're bad, but I that's it's Zuko and Iroh that that hold up those two episodes. I feel like the writers were a lot more interested in what was going on with Zuko, while Aang and crew get moved into position for the next part of the plot. You're right. The Aang, Sokka, Katara stuff, with with a bit of an exception in Return to Omashu, um, did feel like it was on autopilot a bit, but uh, the Zuko and Iroh stuff was great. In fact, when I try to reach back through the, the sleepy mist of my mind when I watch these episodes, the Zuko-Iroh stuff is, is, is what's for, in the front of my mind. Um, you know, it's weird. Again, I've seen these episodes many times, multiple times. Um, and I would say that, uh, with particularly the cave of the two lovers, which is the the second of these three episodes, um, that's one that, um, 
I think I used to agree with you guys where it's kind of just forgettable and a little, it's a little goofy. It's, it's fun, but harmless maybe. Yeah. Um, but on, on this viewing, which I don't know, fourth or fifth time, maybe I, I really liked it. However, as I'm listening to you talk, I mean, you're right. You were correct. Those two episodes, the cave of the two lovers and return to Wamashu, um, they, they kind of don't really do anything. I mean, return to Wamashu at least, and we'll get to this, but return to Wamashu at least kind of moves. It pushes Aang further forward because now he's, he's looking for an earth bending master. Um, actually, I, t- I take back what I said a second ago. I said that and you're right about that, but I had said that Return to Amashu was a bit of an exception as far as the Aang stuff. Uh-huh. But I was actually thinking of something that happens in the Cave of Two Lovers. Uh-huh. So. Interesting. What, so I think, and this is, I think this will be a theme even through the first episode, which I thought was better for the Aang stuff. It definitely feels like during this first chunk of the season that the plot is moving Aang and Aang is not moving the plot. I honestly kind of felt that way about the finale a little because I think we had that discussion last week that the that Aang the I was more interested in what was happening with the ensemble than I was about Aang necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um well uh, okay so I guess let's let's get into these episodes then. Um I mean I feel like the big I guess I feel like all three of these episodes really focus on the the Zuko family side of the equation yeah. because this is also uh, now we're into it now we get to to actually meet and get to know uh, his sister Azula. Um, By the way, I spelled this one. Okay, I'm pretty sure I got it right. This is pretty simple. A Z U L A. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. I did it for once. <laughs> So, um, well, I guess let's, let's talk about details of the episode. Uh, so AJ, you said that, uh, you thought the avatar state, the, the first episode of this season, uh, was the best of the three was particularly good. What, uh, what definitely. struck you about it so much? It was definitely the strongest of the three. It was a really exciting episode for me because of the title. Um, I believe this was one of the many <laughs> names this podcast went through before we settled on the avatar returns it was um so i was expecting this to be like a monumental episode it, it, was, it wasn't but it was it was still great um i think what struck me about this episode um again the zuko stuff getting to meet azula besides her cameos in the first season um all of that stuff getting pushed forward uh, especially um, how? So okay, let's talk about the the, the zoo. I I like the Aang stuff in this episode too, and I do want to talk about that. But since Eric and I have been kind of raving about the Zuko Iro stuff, let's talk about that a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Azula, uh, we get to meet Azula first, and I know I think last week, Paul, you had said that because Eric really likes Azula, mm-hmm. and I feel like you had a bit of a differing opinion. Um, I don't know if that's something you want to get into now or if you want to wait until later in the season when we've seen more of her. But um, I mean, I, I'll say more words about it later, but we can talk about it now. Because I, I seem to really like her so far. Obviously, you're not supposed to like her right. as a person, but I really like the character so far. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting because um, I, you 
like you said, we may have overplayed it a little bit, but uh, you were not a fan of Zuko, and I'm just I'm surprised that you seem to have warmed to Azula as quickly as you have, since she is Zuko to the nth degree. She just seems more... She's more badass than Zuko and more overtly evil, uh-huh. at least at this point, so it's a little more fun. Yeah, Zuko kind of comes off as both petulant and um, ineffective, Early right. on, um, and Azula definitely comes off much more effective than, than oh, yeah. Zuko does. Yeah, I mean, she has the line, "Maybe you should worry less about the tides, who have already made their mind up about killing you, and worry more about me, who's still mulling it over." Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I love Azula. Like, I know I said that she, like she's my favorite of the villains. Actually, my favorite of either of these series villains. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is the tops for me is Azula, but. Getting to see her again was still even fun. Coming in expecting to be excited to see her again, so I'm I'm jazzed. Well, I definitely I want us to have conversations about Azula. Uh, you know, in my notes I had written that she may end up she may be a sticking point between us as the series moves forward. That's uh, that's overstating it, but I feel like she is is my Admiral Zhao. <laughs> Basically, so here's, that's terrible. Like, here's, yeah, I can't. This is a sticking point. If you're going to compare it to Admiral <laughs> Zhao, it's just no. Here's here's the thing. She's she's absolutely she's an absolute treasure as a villain, and I I will not even attempt to deny that she raises the stakes dramatically. She's complex. She's cunning. She's fucking sadistic as hell. Uh, she's manipulative, um, and, and all of that is things that the, you know. As far as storytelling go goes, the. Those are great things. And I love the role that she plays in this series. That's all I'll say about that now. Uh, However, uh, she's also a very particular kind of unpleasant that I tend to find not really enjoy. I find it unenjoyable more than entertaining. And that's not, I mean, that's on me. That's not on the writers or the character. It's just sometimes there are villains that, cross a line or whatever there's something about them where i understand they're supposed to be you know fun entertaining badasses to f- that face off against our heroes but there's something about them that i just personally find unpleasant and that makes it difficult for me to enjoy them as much as i feel like certainly as much as you guys do and as much as i'm supposed to but that's fair i totally get that paul i mean i i, I see what you're saying i mean the, the fact is she shoots lightning, so mm-hmm. you're wrong. But <laughs> um, but I totally get where you're coming. <laughs> well, okay. So you brought up we uh, we uh, have now seen uh, we've gotten a glimpse at uh, quote unquote lightning bending. Uh, back in book one, I think I, I I didn't research. I think it was the episode the storm. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was the storm where we saw uh, the ship was about to get struck by lightning and we saw Iroh, um, like like redirect it like he was struck by the lightning and he redirected it out away from the ship do you I remember completely right. forgot that, about that that was definitely the storm yeah okay um knowing that this particular stuff with uh azula was coming up i uh, i can't remember if i like put a pin on that i can't remember if i pointed that out in the episode or if i was careful but i knew that this was coming we now see that or, or we we it is implied here that you know particularly talented firebenders, which Azula is a particularly talented firebender, um, uh, apparently can do stuff with lightning. And, um, you know, I-, I loved the way that played out because 
I don't know, it was built up. It was shown that she could do this and it was really dangerous and she was about to fry Zuko and then badass Uncle Iroh gets in the way and like no one has been able to touch Azula up to this point and he just pops up, he redirects her lightning and kicks her ass off the ship. <laughs> it's like, yes, that is awesome. Iroh is so wonderful every time he goes into action, which is not very often, which is why it totally works. Yeah. But every, like, you know, eight or nine episodes, we get a brief glimpse of why Iroh is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And this was a pretty great one because they, for a short amount of time they had, they really set up Azula as, as pretty scary. Yeah. And then her fight with Zuko, she's pretty much in command of that fight. Oh, yeah. The entire time. So Iroh popping in and, and like you said, redirecting a lightning blast. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. But I, I, I do love that like Azula has like what a manipulator, this whole plan just to get them captured without actually having to fight with them. Mm -hmm. Except that her, her staff was. And, and yeah, that guy's dead. Come on. We know that guy's dead, right? That guy got forced choked to death. <laughs> yes. Azula is the uh, dark Lord of the Sith of this show, man. I mean, the lightning, come on. Um, <laughs> So let's talk. So, okay, she finds Zuko and Iroh and convinces uh, Zuko fairly quickly that um, their father, Fire Lord Ozai, has realized how important family is to, is to him and wants uh, Zuko and Iroh to come home. Obviously, Iroh is very suspicious of this mm -hmm. at first. Did it seem in character to you that Zuko would accept that so quickly? Obviously, he's always wanted his father's acceptance and the fact that he was banished. In fact, um, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. Or, no, it's been exactly three years, three years since yeah. he was banished. Yeah. Obviously, he wants to return home. Um, but I was still a little... Maybe it seemed... And it's, it's not a big problem in the overall scheme of things. It had to happen for this episode to get where it was going. Um, but it did seem like he believed that and accepted that really quickly and really easily there there was something i think azula said that i think really sells it which is that she doesn't try to pin it on him feeling bad about zuko but that that ozai is worried about conniving in the empire and someone and, and he wants people that he can trust and he knows he can trust family mm -hmm. not to overthrow him and i feel like she she sold the like the the amnesty under the most selfish of pretenses, yeah, which which matched up almost to what Ozai would do, I think, in, in Zuko's head. Like, oh, I get it. Like, and it's enough for me. That's good. He can trust me. I'll, I can prove that I can that he'll be able to trust me. So that's why that played for me. And it was that Azula didn't play too hard into the he misses you kind yeah. of thing. And uh, that's fair. And I mean, let's 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 be honest about Zuko. He's he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer um that's kind of that's a little unfair i no, i mean come on he i feel like he has been uh not necessarily manipulated but he's been he's allowed his his emotions to dictate so much of his behavior so and he's emotional not stupid i'm not calling him stupid but uh he, he's just He's, he's a little emotionally dense. he's emotionally vulnerable, let's put it that way. And his sister and, and we'll get more of this as the series goes on. We'll we'll get a closer look at 
the relationship that these two have. But I think it's clear from this episode that she is a manipulative, she's a master manipulator and she can manipulate her brother. So she would. And I think we see later that in later episodes that Azula knows which buttons to push. Absolutely. So I think that. Hello. Oh, um, anyway, sorry about that. I, 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 my Skype went bonkers on me. Um, I, I hate to, um, to like go on like a, like a retro explanation of it, but the fact that Azula continues to display the ability to manipulate people, I think also helps justify what happens with Zuko because she does the same thing to Mei Li later where right. she knows exactly what to do to make her do what she wants. Yeah. And that's just, that's very clearly one of Azula's superpowers. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. That 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 works. Um, the big moment, of course, uh, is at the end after you know Zuko and after the, the fucking stupid guard <laughs> fucks up and calls them prisoners as they're about to board the ship. Yeah. Which that that guy was killed later, I'm sure. Yes. Um, after they escape her clutches and all of that, they cut off their uh, samurai buns and become Ronin. Yeah, exactly. They're man buns. And uh, I looked online to see if I could find somewhere uh, a translation of what was written on that blade, but I I never found anything. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure someone listening to this probably knows what that blade said, but that was a great moment. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. in fact, I like that they both did it like, like there was no communication about what was going to happen. Yeah. There, you know, they stop, they have a second. Zuko cuts his off. He hands the knife to Iroh. Iroh does the same thing. Yeah, and I, I liked the I like moments like that in things because it gives the impress it gives you the sense of history without needing an explanation mm-hmm. of everything you know it tells you something about these characters and their culture and everything that it was obvious that they were going to do this at this point yeah that once they once they were criminals like this was the action they were going to take as they went forward and I kind of like little things like that because it sells a depth to the world that you can't make up yeah it's a it creates a reality yeah yeah um we haven't even discussed the i mean the zuko and iroh stuff is technically that's the b plot (laughs) we haven't even discussed the a plot of this episode yet let's 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 dig into that um which uh is ang and company um they're they're they part ways from uh master paku and the the northern water tribe and they they're trying to make their way back to Amashu with the idea that King Bumi will become Aang's uh, earthbending mentor. But along the, this is a stop along the way. They come to, uh, what was his name? General Fong? Fong. General Fong. By the way, I can spell that one, I'm sure. F-O-N-G? Sure, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll go got ahead. it. Nailed it. <laughs> two for two. Two for two, good job. Anyway, so they come to this guy's stronghold along the way, and, uh, and this guy's kind of a, a Cretan who decides he's heard the stories of what uh, Aang did at the North Pole when he went into the Avatar state and like wiped out the entire Fire Navy uh, fleet. And he decides, oh, well, that means that you're powerful enough to fight the, the uh, Fire Lord. And uh, they're like, well, he can only do it in the Avatar state, and he can't control that. And they were like, well, we'll see about that. And so basically they try and trick him into activating the Avatar state, which is played for laughs for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, it has one of the biggest laughs this series has had in a while, which was when um, Sokka tries to shock him. 
And Aang opens his eyes and he's put Momo in where his face is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I lolled. You lolled. <laughs> okay. uh, I also, I also liked Aang hyper on caffeine or on a yes. share or whatever. That was funny. But, um, Oh yeah. I think I had a note like, uh, hold on. What, uh, I can't find that. It was like Aang on, I don't know. Aang at tenfold energy is insanity is what my <laughs> yeah. note was. Yeah. But but then he gets convinced to back off from this through a conversation with um, Katara, who brings up the eminent monkey Yatsu yes. to convince him. Yes, yes, that's right. I was and, I was very glad to see the return of Monkey Yatsu come back. Well, I can't even hear his name properly now. Because... Yeah, AJ has destroyed that for us. <laughs> a very serious character with a very I, I want to point tale. out. If anyone wants to go back and listen to the first episode, I did not actually say monkey Yahtzee. I said monkey. I did say monkey. Monkey <laughs> Atso is what I said. Y'all heard it as monkey Yahtzee. I'm rolling with it. It's fine. I don't accept that blame. Did you go back all the way to that episode to to prove that? Did you like go back and listen? Like, Did I actually say monkey Yahtzee? No, it's something that has been simmering since the <laughs> oh. first week of this podcast. Okay. This, is a sore, with, this is a sore subject for AJ. Apparently, I'll go with, I'll go with Monkey Yahtzee. All right. Well, we, um, we've we own the name now, so <laughs> I I do like that uh, we we own the Yahtzee half of the name too. That's <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you, you um, don't know how to spell it, so it's a completely different thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do like the Katara points out to him that the only time he enters the Avatar state is when he is filled with rage, and that can't be a good thing right um i really liked that conversation because it's something that seems really obvious but i i don't know if i really because it's only happened a few times i don't know if i had made that connection because i wasn't thinking of it as sort of an incredible hulk type thing where you know if he gets angry his eyes start glowing like you wouldn't like me when my eyes are glowy (laughs) um but uh but yeah no I, i i liked that conversation between the two of them i mean the two the two cool things that come out of this i feel like are a pretty good fight sequence um and then uh, okay so let's talk about the fight sequence a little bit so they they eventually decide they figure out that it's not you know hyper energy or or focus or whatever that gets them in the avatar state it's when he is in danger and so basically they try to kill him uh the earthbenders try to kill him and uh that leads to i think pretty cool this is like the most earthbending we've seen on the series so far. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. I love the earthbenders. So I'm just excited about this book and I'm excited to go forward as we get to see more and more of what earthbenders can do. And I, I'm, you know, I can't wait till AJ, you accept earthbending as your Lord and savior. But, um, uh, so the fight sequence was pretty cool. And I, I also, I always love it when, you know, powerless Sokka throws himself into the fight to help his friends, even though he's completely outgunned and outmatched. Um, but the, you know, the real revelation that comes out of this obviously is that we get again, Avatar Roku. I can't believe like at the beginning of book one, Eric, you and I were talking about, you know, I, we can't remember how often this happens. Like, is this Avatar Roku thing, a recurring thing, a recurring deal? I honestly can't remember. And we've seen him like half a dozen times. Yeah. Um, I, before we get to that real quick though, I, I, I want to point out, so, okay. Katara had so there's already been something in the air about you know like the Katara Ang uh, relationship the right. ship yes um, 
Katara is the one who tells him that you know the, it, the for the people who love him, watching him fill with rage in the Avatar state is scary. Um, and then it's Katara being in danger at the hands of General Fong that prompts Aang to enter the Avatar state this time. Right. So even from the premiere, they're setting things up. They're not letting it go. They're not letting no, it go. No, no. Uh, but I did really like the Oroku uh, scene where we uh, he ex- explains sort of what the Avatar State is, that it's a defense mechanism designed to empower empower you with the skills and knowledge of all the past Avatars. Mm-hmm. Though the fact that they, they're calling it the glow. Well, I think... Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember if that is ever like if they ever refer to it that way again. But Eric, please okay. tell me. Please tell me that you... he is the last airbender, <laughs> so he has the power of the glow. That's right. I, I'm. I knew as soon as he said that uh, that you know the subject of Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon would have to come up. So, so who is the who is the Shonuff of the series? That's what I want to know. Hmm. I don't even know Zula. what you guys are talking about. So. It's Azula. Azula is the Shonuff. The Azula Shogun. is definitely Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem. Okay, that's that's a movie that we have to do on Gobbledy Geek someday. Um, anyways, but moving on from that, uh, yeah, another important thing that comes out of this Roku business, um, is that uh, this Avatar state is a is all well and good. It's awesome and it's powerful and it can save your life when, you know, you're up against the wall. But there's a downside. If you're killed while you're in the Avatar state, the whole fucking thing is over. <laughs> like that will break the Avatar cycle of rebirth and no more, yes. you know, the Avatar is done with. That's a pretty, that is a pretty big side effect. That's a pretty big downside. What, how, like, what did you think about that mythology that got dropped there, AJ, overall? Like, how do you feel about, because you had some mythology issues the end of last season so i thought that was a really crucial piece of information and i think it it raises the stakes considerably because we've already seen ang uh zuko captured him while he was in the avatar state uh, at the end of last season uh so now that we know uh if he obviously if, if ang dies at any point that's terrible news but if he dies in the avatar state the fact that the cycle of reincarnation is broken completely i think that ups the ante considerably mm-hmm. and i like it i mean it was i think it's needed on a on a technical level so that because I mean, this episode is answering the question why is this just going to be voltron where ang gets beaten up <laughs> right. until he goes into the avatar yes. state wins and comes back out of it and they needed to do something to keep that from being the structure of the series going forward and i think this really effectively did that yeah, I agree. I, I feel like that's probably where that comes from, too. They were probably like, well, I mean, obviously the end of every season is just going to be him avataring out or uh, what the what does uh, damn it. What does Katara call it? Um, I thought I wrote this down somewhere. Uh, apparently I didn't it's write it. Riveting down. radio. I know. Right. Where she's. Uh, she says something about uh, glow it up. Doesn't she say glow it up? Maybe. I feel like I would have remembered that. <sighs> no, she does. I'm going to have to find that. But anyways. Um... No, you're right. And I think the other thing that this does that's really nice is that when we do see him in the Avatar state going forward, we now have a concern. He's not unstoppable. We know that he's more physically powerful. He can do more damage. But any threat to him is much more threatening. So I like that even when they are going, because obviously we're not, we're going to see the Avatar state again. I'm not spoiling anything by saying that, 
but it gives it an additional weight where it's not just the super weapon whenever it happens. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a legitimate threat to him using it, which I think is great. Cool. Um, I had one, one very minor nitpick that I noticed in this episode, and I, uh, I feel like I noticed it la- you know, last season or whatever, um, but I don't think it comes up in the next two episodes. But uh, I'm going to keep my eye out for it. You guys can just ignore it because it is a very minor art nitpick. The Fire Nation symbol, which is like that, the sort of three-pronged flame or whatever, uh, it's reversed every once in a while. This is a very minor thing, but like you see it on their flags and when they when they come over the crest and they see Amashu and it's got the big banner on the front or whatever, it it's like the flame is all curling in one particular direction, but every once in a while I'll see it like on someone's armor or whatever and it'll be reversed. And it just, I don't know. It... That's that's just unacceptable. <laughs> I know. They need they need to remaster this whole series and fix <laughs> all of that. So <sighs> All right. Anything else you want to say about this particular one before we move on? One last note on this episode. Okay. Azula calls Zuko <laughs> Zuzu. Yes, that's his nickname, uh-huh. Zuzu. Love it. Little Zuzu. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah, the, the thing that I want to point out is that, and I, I note this every once in a while, but this is something I want to keep in mind um, as we go into Legend of Korra, because this is another one of those. There's a lot of things I'm noticing that Legend of Korra seems to very specifically echo. Mm-hmm from the from avatar and this is an episode that there is a a sort of interesting and dark echo of in legend of korra Uh, and but you can't say it what you you can't tell us what it is well obviously we haven't gotten legend of korra yet (laughs) okay i didn't know if you were gonna if you were gonna let us know but no no we'll get there and we'll talk about it but i I think it'll be pretty obvious when it when it hits since we're watching these in in succession but um, some interesting stuff along the lines of the Avatar state and, um, you know, bringing it out of an Avatar that I think is right, interesting yeah. how this re- recurs later. But anyways, I, I think it's I, – I like these moments as I'm watching because it's – Legend of Korra is seeming more and more intentional to me mm-hmm. as I watch Avatar Yeah. again. So I mean, yeah, Korra obviously – Korra definitely has the advantage of being the follow-up series where they've, they've worked out a lot of the mythology and, and you know – found their footing in avatar and now they're up and running. But anyways, um, which I meant to, I, I meant to say that, uh, between book one and book two, between seasons, uh, uh, the creators, um, Mike and Brian, they took a trip to China specifically to go, uh, do some design research and everything. Uh, they like specifically, they went to the great wall and they went to the forbidden city. And they also, uh, their guide took them to, uh, some sort of park that is specifically uh, dedicated to the various types of architecture throughout Chinese history. Um, and I feel like, I feel like it's noticeable in these three episodes. And I also feel going forward, I, just sort of the, the architecture, the costume design, background design, all that stuff in book two uh, benefits from that. Not, not to say that book one didn't look good and they didn't do their homework, but I feel like, particularly in the earth kingdom with architecture and that kind of stuff. Uh, it shows that they, they put that much work into it. And it's going to matter as we approach bossing say yes. this season. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, continuing on their way back to Amashu, the cave of two lovers, the, um, 
the Romeo and Juliet episode. Boy, screw this episode. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. So let's talk about it. Uh, it opens up on the Katara swimsuit edition. So that that's always fun. Okay, wait. No, hold on. I thought AJ was the one objectifying the cartoon. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. AJ, I didn't mean to jump the gun. So how'd you feel? I did not even remember Katara being in a swimsuit. So, Paul, you are clearly the one with the problem. (laughs) Okay. The torch is in past the season. My first note is Aang doing the octopus. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty adorable. So, so Eric said, screw this episode. Um, As, as the newbie, um, I have to say, I I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. It, it didn't... Again, I, the Zuko and Iroh stuff, I think... Because I think, uh, though we gave it a lot of attention discussing the premiere, I think the Aang and Zuko and Iroh stuff, it was a lot more evenly matched in terms of quality. In this episode, the Zuko-Iroh stuff is vastly better than the, the Aang and Gang. The, the Aang and Gang. The Aang Gang. It, uh, it's not even close. The Zuko Iroh stuff is really interesting. Yeah. And the Ang stuff is at best ignorable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I I'm not nearly as hard on it as you guys are. I I I legitimately like the Ang and Katara I, I stuff, enjoyed it. but uh there I, are there are moments of the Ang Katara stuff I like, but then there's the the fucking hippie song people. Okay, <laughs> See, okay they've let's, even let's grown talk about on that. They've Let's even talk about on. the singing nomads. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever for them to even be in this episode, but they made me laugh. Did I want to know? I can tell. Who can did tell not you. show them the the hippie episode of Star Trek to point out why you don't do this? <laughs> well, I can tell you why. Uh, I mean, plot wise, no, they didn't have to be in this. Like. Uh, we, they don't really accomplish anything for our heroes except find, you know, finding them a shortcut over the mountain, I guess, basically. Uh, but uh, story-wise, the service, you know, the service that they're here for is to give Sokka someone to play against. So, uh, so one of the reasons why I'm as forgiving of the the Ang Gang portion of this episode is because this episode kind of epitomizes one of my favorite things about Sokka. One of my favorite uses of the Sokka character is watching him be the exasperated, rational, smart guy surrounded by just goofballs or, or, you know, what he, what he thinks of as being clowns or goofballs. I, I love the put upon look on his face. I love the Sokka that just has to, you know, do the face palm thing through the whole episode. So any excuse, no matter how goofy it is, any excuse to put Sokka in that state of mind, I will always forgive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get that. And I like that too, because we've called him the Xander of the group before, but that's a big difference between, between him and that, that distinguishes him from being just the, the, the normal guy in the group. The fact that he clings to like he when when surrounded by idiocy he clings to his rationality yes can, can your science explain why it rains <laughs> yes yes it can <laughs> that's still one of my favorite moments yeah of this show it really Sokka being one of the least stupid members of the group is is pretty good mm-hmm. um i mean i think i think that appa probably gets the definitely <laughs> least stupid person yes in the group yeah but um but Sokka actually comes off as as fairly adult. And I know he is supposed to be Katara's older brother, right? Yes, yeah. So, you know, it makes sense that he 
he's a little more mature, but he wasn't more mature at the beginning of the show. So him, the more he plays into that, the more actually, I keep forgetting just how more together Sokka is in this series than my memory of him was. Mm-hmm. And this is an episode that shows that even if it has to show it with those <laughs> hippie song fuckers, oh, the ouch. hippie song fuckers. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I, I really, I struggled through those, those people scenes. It was like, not my, not my favorite. I didn't hate it. I mean, it sounds like I'm hating it. I really didn't. It was just like, I really wanted those scenes to end. <laughs> I, I really did love that moment though, where they're trying to convince the Aang gang. That's the thing now, uh, where they're trying to convince Aang and the, and, and Sokka and Katara to, to go along through the cave with them and like, no, 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 we're going to try it our way. Yes. So then we get that really quick cut to <laughs> them trying and failing miserably to get past the fire nation defenses. And then Sokka walks by. She's like secret love cave. Let's go. Yeah. That was a fantastic moment. Yeah. Was- see that kind of humor. I love that stuff. Um, we also get the, uh, we also get the wolf bats in this, which are one of my, like one of my favorite hybrid critters that this series does. I love the wolf bats. And the badger moles. And the badger moles are amazing too, but the wolf bats I love. So I initially heard that as badger gnomes. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> badger gnomes. So here's an interesting little mythology that the show is kind of seeding. We've already heard the flying bison referred to as the first airbenders. And now we're told that the badger moles were the first earthbenders. So I, I, I genuinely can't remember if there's the an equivalent for the. Actually, I do remember for one of them, but uh, for which one? I don't tell me what it is, but which one? The the I remember the equivalent for the firebenders. Yeah, we, we did get the koi for the waterbenders. I don't know if that's the, that's not really the same thing, I guess. But no, those were spirits. Um, right, they, they weren't. The first, right. I, I I genuinely can't remember if we ever hear like who the first waterbender was. I don't I don't know. Anyways, but I just feel like that's an interesting little back mythology that they set up. That is cool. I had not put those two together. Um, we find out about Oma and Shu. Yeah, which I was going to say I I kind of. You know, it's frivolous and, and maybe pointless, except for the parallels that you can draw between Aang and Katara. But I liked the whole legend of the two lovers. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked the Romeo and Juliet type backstory. That was that was fun enough. And the almost kiss. So what? So what do you think? This is a stupid question, but I've I've actually seen differing opinions on in various fan communities. Do you think that they actually kissed when the lights went out? No. Yes. <laughs> See, this is fantastic. Great. A microcosm of the fandom right here. Eric says yes. AJ says no. No, I, I said I said yes. Eric said no. Oh, okay. Get your I, shit I can't. I don't pay so, attention so, to who talks. Eric, what, why do you think they didn't kiss? I just don't think they did. I don't have any justification for it. I think that it doesn't. <laughs> I you know Okay. I, I, so the only thing I can say to this is that I don't think it makes sense with future character developments that they did at this point. What what other reason is there for the screen to like, like to go dim for like to make to make yahoos like you think that something happened? <laughs> I, I think that was their way of uh, you know it's 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 a kids show on Nickelodeon of G rating it. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine their kiss was pretty chaste. If if they did, which apparently now is in question. <laughs> uh, so without having seen the rest of the series and knowing these future character developments, it was pretty obvious to me that they did kiss. I, I didn't think should, they kissed the first time either. I, I well, here, here was my take on it. I genuinely don't remember if we get like if they ever uh, 
shine a light on Ang and Katara's first kiss. I, I, I don't remember if that's a thing that we see. I do remember watching this the first time. When it goes dark, I, I was on your side, AJ. I was like, oh, well, they just kissed. That's kind of cool. And, and it seems obvious that they have to black it out so no one complains that they just had like a 12-year-old kid and a 12-year-old boy and a 15-year-old girl kiss. Um, but then based on the rest of the episode, neither one of them was, was acting like they had just shared their first kiss, I didn't feel like. Well, there yeah, was like, I agree. There was like some blushing. There was... Well, they've been blushing up before this. Anyways, it's not. And good. they only kissed out of necessity because they were at their wits' end. That's like, right, just to save their lives. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were fantasizing. They, they were fantasizing. They were trying to. They were taste testing to see who was going to eat the other one if they were trapped. Yes, in cave. exactly. Yeah. You guys are morons. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. All right. See, this is uh, how fandom shipper wars start. Oh Jesus. Okay. They kissed, end of story, moving on. We, we, can, we can be done with them if you want to talk about the Zuko and Iroh stuff. Yeah, so uh, the Zuko and Iroh stuff, um, they wind up being sheltered uh, by Fire Nation refugees. And given current news events, my ears perked up when I heard the word refugees. Refugees, yeah. Um, and that was a really strong uh, B-plot because Zuko... Gets to, so, so Zuko is you know, obviously he still wants to to be let back into the Fire Nation, even though the whole reason he had to fight his father and was eventually banished is because he was against um, senseless killing. Granted, of their own men, but still, that shows that Zuko is more compassionate than his father or certain Fire Nation top brass. Um, and so he, in the form of the, uh, the, the girl who, uh, who helped shelter them, he meets someone up close and personal who was, was literally, I mean, I'm sure mentally as well, but literally physically scarred yeah. by the Fire Nation. And he seems, I, I thought during their conversation, he seemed kind of, moved by that but then the way the story ends was just devastating yeah see i loved the fact that they set up her name was song by the way uh i I loved the whole um as a river yes the sympathetic parallels they set up between them not only the that they're both burned but you know she she's missing her father she hasn't seen her father in years because of the war and um uh, I don't know. There was it, there was obviously parallels being drawn between them, and yeah, we did see a couple of examples from Zuko or Junior, as he was called, Junior and Mushi. Um, uh, he was obviously being sympathetic. Like he was obviously being moved by her story, particularly when she showed the burns on her leg. Yeah. Um, so uh, Zuko's he's obviously grown over the course of the series up to this point, uh, just as our understanding of him has grown. But you know, he's. He's still got a ways to go because he does steal from them. Well, I think end. I think what what the girl sa- says that sets him off is, I know you think there's no, no, but this is as as they're leaving. But I think this might be why he is such a dick about it. Um, she says, I know you think there's no hope in the world, but the Avatar has returned. Yeah, he's like grits his teeth, like I know. <laughs> um, and then, and then yeah, he steals the horse, and uh, Iroh says these people just showed you great kindness. To which Zuko replies, they're about to show us a little more kindness. Mm-hmm. And the fucking, the girl watches as he steals the horse. Oh my God. Yeah. That was, that was fucking heartbreaking. 
I mean, he's... I, I remembered this episode. I remembered this plot anyways. Um, and I, for some reason, I thought it came later. So it, it actually hit me pretty hard, too, because I wasn't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it's, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough episode to watch for that. Yeah, I'm really impressed with, and I, I hope at some point I stop being like, well, this is a Nickelodeon show, but but I, I really am impressed by the maturity of that storyline. Um, that's. I, that's I don't think I ever got past the Nickelodeon thing, partially because there's aspects of the show that constantly remind right. you that it is a Nickelodeon exactly. show, which is yeah. Nickelodeon rearing its head and forcing the show to belong on it. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, that, that's true. And that's why I think the like the maturity of those moments, or like any of the Zuko Iroh stuff in these episodes, is really striking. Yeah, I like um, I like that Zuko's not adapting well to fugitive life. I mean, uh, first of all, it was played for laughs at the beginning of the episode, with him fishing and coming back with a tiny little fish, and you know, just I can't live like this. I'm not used to having to scrounge for food, um, but. I also just, Zuko has been kind of unmoored the entire time we've known him, but at least he was always still, you know, he he always still had his ship, he had his men, he had a mission, and now he is, now he's a wanted man, and he doesn't have resources anymore. He He's actually kind of living the way that Aang and his friends have been living the entire time. Yeah. Um, anything else in here? Iroh oh. tries to poison himself, or actually does poison himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Silly Iroh. Silly Iroh. Uh, we got the, another f- funny moment between, uh, Zuko and Iroh was them talking about, well, uh, you know, if, if we go to the Earth Kingdom, if we're caught by the Earth Kingdom, they'll have us killed. But if we go back, we'll be turned over to Azula. All right. Earth Kingdom it is. <laughs> They'd rather die in the Earth Kingdom than face Azula. Loved it. Yeah. All right. I guess we don't have anything else to say about this. And episode. the episode does end on an occupied Omashu. That's Which right. was a great moment. It yeah. was, that was yeah. a pretty great moment. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, return to Omashu. Occupied territory now. Um, AJ, what would you think? It was better than the first trip to yeah. Omashu. Yeah. Uh, even if Boomy is still not a character, I'm thrilled I, with. I, I found myself thinking that uh, this time as as well. I was like, you know, part of the reason why this is a better trip to Omashu than the first time is there was significantly less Boomy. Yes. Like, I feel like Boomy was and there's more too much of a comic relief. Right. There's more. It's a little weightier. Yeah. This trip, obviously, with the Azula stuff and thinking that Boomy may, you know, may be dead or captured, mm-hmm. which he is captured. Um, he, yeah, Boomy. Let's talk about Boomy for a second. I like the character in theory. Like, I, I like the idea of the, of you know, s- this crazy kid that Aang knew grew up to be uh, an earthbending master, and he's wise but still absolutely off his rocker. Uh, I like the idea of that in execution, though. I think he's way too silly. Yeah. Just like t- just too much. 
And and the voice acting, I do not, I don't like, I don't like the voice. <laughs> I feel like we did this before, but let and me. And the snorting while the laughing, I yeah, just... <laughs> it is. Uh, let's see, who does the voice of Boomy? Oh, that's right. There were two actors. One's the adult, one's the young, the child, and I don't remember which one's which. Never mind. We've played this game before. Move <laughs> on. Move along. Um, Eric, what about you? Or, or how do you? Where do you sit on Boomy? That sounds like a really. Where, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Where do you sit on Boomy? Something you'd hear on a street corner. <laughs> he, he, he's a character that works better in concept than execution. Yes. Yeah, he's just That's he's, about all I have to say he's about dialed him. up just a little bit too high, I think. The yeah, and I, I mean, some of it might be the voice acting, some of it might be the the character design is is borderline over the top. Mm-hmm. Well, at uh, least he was all he was in a box this time, so we <laughs> all we got to see was his face. You could you could just feel the pecs underneath <laughs> that box, though. That's right. Yeah. Um, the best thing about Boomy is that he functions as uh, a tie to Aang's past, right? And the fact that it becomes very personal for Aang when he sees that Omashu has been occupied by the Fire Nation and refuses to leave until he finds Boomy. Right. And then I, I actually, I liked the outcome of all that. I liked him. Uh, one, had we ever heard about Jing before? No, was that no. a thing? No. This... Was Jing a thing? Jing was not a thing before this. Okay. Uh, but I did like learning about neutral Jing, like the, the listening, how listening and waiting are just as important as taking action. How when Boomy, you know, turned to his general or whatever, and was like, "I'm not going to do anything." That wasn't just him. I mean, he was a fucking asshole. He could have explained it. <laughs> That's um, right. But it wasn't just him being a uh, uh, being silly. That was it was a valid plan, and he winds up having to stay because he realizes strategically it's not time for him to do anything yet. I'm trying to think of. A char- I had a character like on the tip of my tongue a minute ago uh, that's similar to Boomy, where they they're like they're really intelligent and they're actually like, like they actually know what's going on and they're very uh, effective or whatever. But they're hampered by the fact that they're actually insane and they can't always express themselves clearly. I, there was a particular character from another work that I was thinking of, and, and it's gone out of my head. But I mean that's kind of what Boomy is meant to be. He's He's, there's obviously, you know, there's stuff going on behind all the madness. You just have to get past the madness to see that. And I feel like that was hinted at at the end when he has the whole conversation about the, the you know, the Jing, the neutral Jing and all that. And uh, he says, you know, I, I'm waiting, I'm biding my time and you need to, you know, the right uh, earthbending teacher for you will be someone who, you know, takes their time and listens uh, and, you know, I'll see you when it's time, basically. The implication that he's still a player in this game, like he, he's a captive and he's ta- he takes himself back to continue being a prisoner, but, you know, the time will come when he's, he's going to do what he needs to do. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure I buy the whole bending, earth bending with your face. I don't yeah, know. that was a little, that was a bit of a stretch. Since one of my favorite things about earth bending in this series or bending in this series is that it's you know the elaborate martial arts styles that have to do it and uh, there's not a lot of martial arts styles that involve just uh jutting your chin and if there were it you know uh bruce campbell would be the undeniable master of that oh yeah um so besides the boomy stuff uh we get to meet two characters with ties to azula we have may Mm -hmm. uh who's basically the daria of avatar (laughs) 
Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. And uh, we have uh, Ty Lee. Was that her name? Yes. Okay. Um, and I maybe it was just again. I I was. I, I was tired watching these, and this was the last one I watched. And I took significantly like, like if you didn't know I was tired, if you looked at my notes, th- like with each episode, my notes got progressively like more simple and less frequent. And by <laughs> the time you get to return to Omashi, it was just like two words on each line, and there are hardly any of them. <laughs> um, but uh, may so again, maybe it's just that. But the Azula stuff seemed a little underdone this week or, or this episode, like good idea in theory but it didn't do a lot for me in execution like i, I like the fight scene the fight scene was really good was really strong but the the stuff with uh for, for example uh the stuff with her basically coercing tylee to join her by mm-hmm. sabotaging her circus performance yes that didn't really i don't know it didn't have an effect on me it was really. a little it was a little oblique the uh, what was going on there yeah. like it was kind of hard to figure out what the heck was actually happening I appreciate it, and just because I know, and I, mean, I think I think we all know that that. I mean, AJ, you just said she was manipulating. I, I appreciate the fact that that was another example of Azula. This is someone who's ostensibly, we're told, like a friend, an old friend of hers, and she's doesn't even have a second thought about completely uprooting this girl's life. Uh, and and setting her up so that she chooses to join her, uh, but I mean she does the same thing to May basically. And May goes along with it much, you know, much more readily. Uh, but you'll notice that by the end, whatever spell or, or whatever weird relationship that Azula has over everybody, but with May in particular, she, uh, May basically gives up her baby brother. <laughs> Yeah, and just because Azula kind of suggests that she do that, yeah, Azula's a monster, <laughs> just a wonderful, wonderful monster. Just put <laughs> By the way, her brother's name was Tom Tom. Tom Tom, that's right. Bad Fire Nation baby. Tom Tom. <laughs> okay, that's it. Is that one of your notes, Tom Tom? <laughs> um. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I guess you're right. They're they're a little bit. Are, um, uh, Azula is a little bit underplayed in this, uh, I suppose. But I feel like it's significant that she's now got her small. Like yeah, she, no, it is. She, she's got her hit squad. You're right. So in, instead of our heroes being hunted down now by like the Fire Nation uh, army or whatever, it's this this group of psycho women. <laughs> these assassins uh, I like it I like it psycho women assassins I like it yeah um what else what else do we have I want to go back to the fight for a second like uh uh, Tai Lee and Maya versus Sokka and Katara Mm -hmm. um and then of course you have uh Aang's like roller coaster ride with Azula Mm -hmm. that stuff is all really strong however again my notes on them consist of one line each so I'm not sure how eloquent I can be, but I feel like those were really strong. That was a really strong sequence. Did you guys have any thoughts on uh, on those fights? Uh, I do, Eric. Right. Go ahead first, Paul. Go ahead. Um. Well, one of the one of my favorite visuals, one of my favorite little sequences from that fight was uh, Katara basically taking on both women uh, at once. Uh, it's brief, but like Katara 
using her water whip to not to break the boards and knock up chunks of wood that block May's darts. That was fucking badass. I don't know. There's something about the visual, the way she did that, that was just beautiful. And then she immediately turns around and grabs Ty Lee and whips her back. And it's just, I, I love seeing Katara become more and more capable uh, in these instances. And then um, we also, we see, so May May's bending or whatever, May's superpower is that she's wicked good with those darts and shuriken yeah. and, and blades and everything, which she just seems to have an endless profusion of hidden in her robes. Um, but other than being uh, uh, giggly and good at gymnastics, we're not really sure what Ty Lee brings to the fight until we see that she does the whole pressure point thing and actually takes away Katara's water oh, right. bending. Right. That's pretty, that's pretty important. It's a pr- kind of a big deal. What did you think I liked about it. that? Yeah. yeah, that was surprising to me. I, I did not know that was a possibility that someone's bending could be taken away by applying the uh, the old uh, five finger uh, five finger exploding heart technique or whatever <laughs> that was. I, I like stuff like that because it it's important that that bending not be the only mm-hmm. thing in the universe that has any power, which is when you end up with stuff like the, one of the problems of star Wars where the force is the only power there is. Yeah. So I, I like that there's, that there are, you know, there's an energy, there's a physicality to the way bending works. And, um, this goes along with that. Like it doesn't break the, the way bending feels to work because it interrupts the energy in your body. Mm -hmm. And so it interrupts your bending. So I I really dig that the way that connects in and, and expands the world a little bit. I also like that 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 moment was immediately followed by May saying, how are you going to fight without your bending? And then Sokka whips her upside the head with his uh, boomerang and says, I seem to manage. (laughs) You go, Sokka. I love you. So let's play the spelling game again. Okay. Uh, May, I'm reasonably confident about, unless they they Americanize it on me. M-E-I. See, I I wish you were right. This is ah. this this is where I disagree with the creators, the show creators. It is spelled according to every source I could find. It is spelled M A I. Really? Which I disagree with because would that be my? it would be my, especially since uh, there are other characters that use that A I. In fact, with with Ty Lee, I have. Now, this one I'm not as sure on, because I actually have it split up into, like, two names. It is. Uh, okay, okay. So, Ty, T-A-I? No, they have T-Y. God damn it. And Lee, is it just L-E? L-E-E. God. <laughs> you were doing so well. And that's I, I want to give you points for M-E-I, because I feel like that is ge- that's really how it should be spelled. But everywhere, yep. everything I've seen spells it M-A-I. So. Well, that's okay. I'll be right. Everyone involved in the making of the show can be wrong. I, I, I'll it's give okay. you that one. I agree with you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, what else? So uh, we didn't talk about the pentaplague. Yeah, the the pentapox. Yeah, that's uh, I, I I like the fact that that the lie becomes so prevalent. Like it seems like such a concern that uh, like the, the the king of of New Ozai, as they're now calling Omashu, is like it's like oh I'm pretty sure I've heard of that. Yeah, like I I, I think that's kind of funny. Um, and yeah, I guess it is is that is a good way to escape 
Convince everyone you you you've started the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Yeah, I liked that. I liked the purple pentapus, which is a unfortunate name. That's an unfortunate name for those things to be called, but uh, they're cute. Is that what they're called? Yeah, he said. He said it's all right, Sokka. It's just a purple pentapus. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> purple pentapus. Yep. You can use that. Dude, that no, you're you're sad about that. I think that is that's amazing. <laughs> purple pentapus. That is the name of my punk band, Purple right. Pentapus. <laughs> um, yes. Anyways, and then Purple the, Pentapus forever. Uh, the the pentapox was great. That that whole thing was pretty great. Um what else? What else have I got besides that? Oh, I, all great bands of of heroes uh, have to go. There's a there's a rite of passage that all heroes must go through, uh, and it, it includes crawling around through the sewers. Like that's something yep. that heroes always have to do in order to prove that they are heroes, right? It's really important. It's it's a it's a standby in all of the role playing games I run too. So yeah, it's yeah. vital. Uh, so that was great. You have to and work I, your way. You have to work your way through the shit. That's right. That's right. Um, and I, I loved the fact that uh, Aang was using airbending to get all the sewage out of his way. And then obviously Katara was just waterbending it out of her way. And poor <laughs> Sokka was in the background just getting hosed the entire time. <laughs> Man, That's great. Poor Sokka. Um, I, I, that that might have been it. I don't the, know if there's the, there was else. A, very, a very small detail that I'm sure we'll see... Uh, payoff for later but we get the implication that may had kind of a thing for for little zuzu i'm so glad you picked up on that i didn't know if i wanted to mention that or not but i'm glad yeah that no, you... i mean i uh i think it's ty lee makes it pretty obvious when she's like oh it'll be nice to see zuko again won't it may yeah <laughs> yeah i can't believe you called her the daria <laughs> well That's she, she's kind of the daria i mean daria she, wasn't evil but she's totally the daria that is <laughs> completely valid that's too perfect that is too perfect does that make who's the jane then who's her jane um, azula clearly uh, yeah is, is jane azula okay all right azula's a little bitchier than i remember jane being but okay that's fine it's wow. a darker world it's a darker world um okay you already mentioned that they rename that azula renames amashi was new ozai i thought for some reason that just seemed like a really dark Thing. Was... I mean, they, they, the Fire Nation occupied Omashu and renamed it New Ozai and, like, imprisoned all of the people. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, I don't know. It didn't have have a lot of weight in this episode, I don't think, but I certainly felt it. when she As soon as she said that, I was like, God, that's well, so in, brutal. In 2016, when New York becomes New Trump, we will all oh, rewatch man. this episode and, and just bask in its and how prophetic it from was from our bunkers at a yeah. closed location uh-huh. yeah. yep with the one tv left in the country <laughs> god okay on that note was there anything else? oh facial hair seems to be a big deal in the earth kingdom i wanted to mention that they love their facial hair um who doesn't who doesn't uh you you shaved it all off you I, I did. That's an unnecessary detail for this podcast. But yes, at one point I had facial hair. You you used to I no longer do. You used to look very Earth Kingdom, AJ, and and now I you're did, all. I did. Oh, I had a terrible, terrible beard. I was it's... I was jealous of your terrorist beard. It was a thing of beauty. No. no. 
This is much better, Paul. Okay. Earth Kingdom doesn't know what they're talking about. If, if you say so. All right. Any closing thoughts, guys? I'm, I'm glad to be, even though, you know, obviously in podcast time, we were only away for a week. I'm glad to be back in this world. I'm glad to see uh, certain uh, character threads continuing. And I'm excited to see, especially considering how much you love the Earthbenders, I'm excited to see where this book goes. Well, uh, I, I'll... I'll do a little foreshadowing and say uh, that our next episode will get, you'll get to see, you will be introduced to some of the gold of the earthbenders. Let's put it that way. Okay. Oh nice. my God. I just looked at what the next episode was. Right. Oh no. Oh, oh, the next, but, but okay. So we'll, we'll talk about it when we, when I, we'll get there. I just want to, Okay. I was I was gonna say like hey this, I like this, the next these, episode these three episodes were a little bit of a a little bit not a downer just they weren't you know they were a little a little muted compared to the the greatness of the end of the last season yeah uh, but I know this season's gonna get better I know this season's really good I have a lot of good things to say about the season and then I looked at the next episode so we're, <laughs> I might be I, I might be might be snarky Eric for one episode are, are you are you gonna sit out the next the next episode oh no I'm gonna be here you're all going to want to sit out <laughs> oh Lord okay well that's uh I look forward to it so uh, well, thanks everybody uh, for joining and and playing along with us. As always, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on our website, theavatarreturns.com. And links will also be posted on our parent show's site. That's gobbledygeekpodcast.com. Um, or subscribe to the show in iTunes. Uh, and our very own flying email lemur, Monkey Yahtzee, will deliver every episode to you personally. Uh so feed the lemur, please, by dropping an email to us at tarpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, follow us on social media. You can like us on Facebook for all of our updates, or you can find us on Twitter. The show is twitter.com slash tarpodcast. And on Twitter, I am at haunt1013. Eric is at salon. That's S-A-A-L-O-N. And AJ is at unplugged crazy. So uh, next week, we'll be discussing chapters 204 through 206. Uh, that's the swamp, Avatar Day, and the Blind Bandit, and uh, Bandit, whatever <laughs> you know what I meant. The Blind Bandit, uh, and like I just said to AJ, uh, I don't want to oversell it too much, but one of the chapters that I've been most looking forward to this entire time uh, is coming up next week. So uh, me, me too. Yes. Me too. Uh, I'm I'm complaining about one of the chapters, but there's another chapter that is more than going to balance it out for Absolutely. So um, you know you'll. Know, Tune in next time to find out which one I'm referring to. And if uh, if Eric and I are talking about the same one, we probably are. And if AJ agrees with us, he probably won't because he's a monster. But mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Until then, remember, no sidetracks, no worms, and definitely no rainbows. There you see her sitting there across the way. She don't got a lot to say, but there's something about her. And you don't know why, but you're dying to try. You wanna kiss the girl. Yes, you want her. Look at her, you know you do. Possible she wants you to. There is one way to ask her. It don't take a word, not a single word. Go on and kiss the girl. Sing with me now. Sha la 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 la, by your mind, look like a boy to 
shine on a kiss again. Sha la 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 la, it's a sad little shame. Too bad you're gonna miss.